Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Good afternoon. At the tone, Pacific Daylight Time will be... It's 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock. One step closer to my own personal hell. This is Primetime on Sports Radio 1080 The Fan. We expect the best. We're not afraid to break someone. Do you hear me? Primetime is your source for the best in local, regional, and national sports. Go ahead and clap. Mediocrity deserves applause. Isaac Rob, I'm miserable. I had to get up at 10 o'clock this morning. Jason Sakanit. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Primetime on 1080 The Fan. Welcome back. Hour number three of a best of edition of Primetime with Isaac and Souk. No Isaac, no Souk. They are in the vacation portal. They will be back. Uh, you return from the vacation portal. You have to. Well, you don't have to, but... That would be leaving me high and dry if they didn't. Uh, they'll be back in the new year. Just uh, not right now. Not this week. Not next week either. But uh, plenty more show for you. This is going to be a fun hour. We've got Brock Heward after the Russell Wilson trade as well as Tim Meadows, the Saturday Night Live funny man and the ladies man himself. And then in the club hour, um, some old fun segments as well going Uh, Maybe not all the way in the Wayback Machine, but back to around 2018 uh, for some good times and some uh, some fan-favorite segments. Uh, But before we do any more of that, it's time that we get into our Hot 5 at 5. Hot Topics, Hot Opinions. Oh, darling, I'm hot today. And Hot Air. It's time for the Hot 5 at 5. That's hot. The Hot 5 at 5 on Primetime with Isaac and Sue. No, I mean it. That's very hot. The Hot 5 at 5 with Isaac and Sue on 1080 The Fan. Number 5. This is an interesting nugget, and I was trying to find the right place to uh, to kind of horn it in here, but uh, a report and tweet from... Um, Andrew Filipponi, this is uh, someone who covers the uh, the Big East, and uh, he says that Pitt, Pittsburgh football head coach Pat Narduzzi, has told a local radio station that he's heard two schools offer North Carolina quarterback Drake May $5 million to transfer. He won't say which schools, but he says he knows who. Uh, he says it's gotten out of control and it's going to get worse. Quote, it's a sad, sad deal. Now, we've heard the stuff bandied about about it you could just offer any kid any amount of money and you could get him to move and i don't know if that's true or not but uh, i also heard utsa's head coach saying that a bunch of power five schools are coming to try to poach their young talent this is going to be the wild west for a while imagine being in the nfl and saying oh uh we want stefan Diggs to come play here next year or we want uh christian mccaffrey to come here next year even if they're under ca- contract we'll just pay him more uh a wild thing is going on Drake May, by the way, supposed to play against Number the Ducks four. in the bowl game. He's already said he's coming back to North Carolina. I don't know if that means they paid more than five mil or if he would uh, consider turning heel once more, but uh, interesting nonetheless. Uh, number four, 
to baseball. The Associated Press reporting that uh, Carlos Correa's physical with the San Francisco Giants flagged a medical issue, and now the team has postponed his introductory press conference. He was supposed to meet a lot of local media today in San Francisco, do the whole car wash tour with local TV and radio, um, as well as get his tour of the ballpark, put the jersey on, sit in front of the microphone uh, on the dais up there, and uh, that's not going to happen, at least not right away. The Giants committed to him $350 million bucks over 13 years, and if I'm the Giants, which I am not, uh, I would want to make sure that everything looked good medically, too, because that is not something you can enter into uh, if you still have questions or concerns about uh, any physical issues there. So as a Giants fan, I'll be interested to find out what this uh, report yields and and really what this physical finds, if it's something that can be overcome, if it'll change the nature of the contract uh, or if it squashes the deal entirely. But uh, interesting times in the NL West. <laughs> Number three. Well, today was a national holiday in Argentina, so the entire country could celebrate the World Cup coming home. Uh, the main celebration where the team was going to be was at, uh, I think they call it Obelesca, which is the Obelesk in Buenos Aires. Is that a swag pronunciation? Buenos Aires. Uh, Buenos Aires. And uh, it was four million people there today. Four million people turned up, and it got wild. So as you can imagine, uh, the people there are pretty excited about it, as you would be for any championship parade. But you had fans storming the bus, trying to hop on. Then I saw video footage of fans on overpasses trying to jump off the overpasses onto the top deck of these double-decker buses for opportunities to uh, meet and cavort with the Argentinian players. This led to Argentina players having to get taken away in helicopter and then stopping the parade and celebration. So uh, good for you, Argentina, for knowing how to turn up, but uh, maybe a little bit too much that time. Number two. Number two. Number two. Number two. Number two, we have a change of ownership or nearly a change of ownership in the National Basketball Association. The whole Robert Sarver saga looks like it's isn't coming to an end because there are reports that other people in the organization carried out uh, some of his bad organizational ideas and policies, but there is reportedly a buyer for the franchise after he's put them up for sale. That's going to be one Matt Ishbia. He is a uh, billionaire mortgage lender from Michigan. He played hoops at Michigan State as a walk-on. He won a national title with Coach Izzo's squad in 2000, and he's going to be the new owner of the Phoenix Suns. He's uh, supposed to be worth about $5.1 billion, and um, that should be official in the next day or two, but it will make him officially, once it becomes official, the youngest owner in the NBA. Come too far together. Stop now. Let's do it. That's it, baby. Shot it from the rooftop. Number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. And number one, come on. You wish it ended uh, with a W on the back end. You wish maybe that it wasn't a free throw, but Damian Lillard, you already knew he was Mr. Blazer. You already knew he was the best in franchise history. Uh, what happened last night only affirms that. Damian Lillard needed 21 points to eclipse Clyde Drexler on the all-time Blazer scoring list. He got 28 last night. He got his 21st point on a free throw in the third quarter and uh, and Dame now the all-time Blazers leading scorer uh, a well-deserved honor something that was really only a matter of time it also indicates to you just how important the three-pointer has been to that uh, that climb because 
He did it in 137 fewer games than it took Clyde Drexler. So that's uh, you're looking at about a season and a half or maybe a season plus about 75%. So Damian Lillard, Mr. Blazer, um, the only thing he didn't get last night was a win as the Blazers fall to 17 and 14 on the year. They lose by two, but Dame with 28 points becoming the all-time Blazers leading scorer and uh, cementing his status really as if he didn't have it already. But uh, this just one more feather in his cap and uh, one thing that he can take with him uh, to the Hall of Fame someday. That has been your Hot 5 at 5. Coming up next, it's uh, time to get back into some true best of content. Uh, need to go back, not too far in the Wayback Machine, but to a very controversial time for the Pacific Northwest and football. Russell Wilson traded to the Broncos. What were we thinking about it then? What was Brock Heward thinking about it then? And how do we feel about it now? Uh, that interview with Brock coming up next on this best of edition of Primetime with Isaac and Souk on 1080 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to a best of edition of Primetime, and uh, we are finally getting back into some best of content. So, um... Without further ado, I'm going to toss it over to an interview from about a year ago, year and a half ago, uh, or actually not even, uh, because Russell Wilson, this was the trade to the Broncos. So this would have been in the offseason. I'm, I'm getting my, my months and my timelines messed up. But uh, at the time, rocked the Pacific Northwest uh, and Seahawks fans who wanted to see Russell Wilson here forever, retire a Seahawk, um, but the organization had other ideas. Now, with hindsight being 2020, my goodness, does that seem like it was the right time to make that sort of a deal, but we didn't know it then. Here's Brock Heward with the boys right after that rust trade. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. What if we just 
spent the whole segment talking about the Jayhawks in the NCAA tournament. I was hoping more Kansas yeah. football, like spring ball preview. Yeah. That'd yeah. be a good pivot for the listeners. Probably. Yeah, I think Suk would throw up. So, yeah, no, I think we've got – I'm trying to not be in these moments as I get older too hyperbolic. Mm-hmm. But this is, this is the biggest sports news in the history of Seattle sports. Whoa. King Griffey Jr. to the Reds was, was up there, but, but Griffey was irascible. He was irritable. He was not fan-friendly. He, he never took him in a different sport, but they never went to the World Series. So I, I think I put this one even above Griffey to Cincinnati with the, with the magnitude of it, and obviously the nature of that position, the most important position in all sports. Yeah, I mean, it's funny when you bring that up. That was my first thought was was Griffey, but I guess I didn't really think about the as much kind of fanfare and beloved as Griffey was. They really didn't win where Seattle never really lost when Correct. Russ was here. Correct. I mean, Griffey's a better player. Yeah. Like he's, he's one of the greatest on one hand to ever play the sport of baseball. Russell is not that, even at, at quarterback at his position. So, I mean, Griffey, a far superior generational player. But as far as this move and making this move with your franchise quarterback, who I think still has four good years in front of him, I, I don't know if he's going to get to 40 with his just style of game and how much he needs explosiveness and his legs and his twitch and everything else. But he certainly has three or four more good years, and, and the Broncos are going to get to capture those. And, and I think for Pete Carroll and John Snyder, they get the reboot that they need. They get the assets and the draft picks and the freedom of salary cap and everything else to build this again. And obviously, Jody Allen had a choice to make. Jody and, and her team could have said, no, nope, I want Russell for the next three, four years, and we'll pay him you know, $45 million to $50 million in, on his final contract, or I'm going to believe in John and Pete to reboot this thing and find the next Russell Wilson as they did the first time. Yeah, it's interesting, that last little bit there, because that's where I was going with it. Did they – I mean, it sounds like you're saying they didn't really have to trade Russell Wilson. We didn't really know, you know, sort of what hand he was playing behind the scenes, but it was clear that he wasn't happy. Was there any way that they, they couldn't have dealt him? I mean, it sounds like he might have requested a trade. Well, I think they could have played him, you know, and with him this year. But then you're getting to a point where he wants his contract and mm-hmm. and I think would have done whatever in his power to uh, to make sure that the final year of his deal, you know, he gets a deal and he's not a lame duck TV and everything else. And then it would have gotten really ugly. And then people would have known you would have probably had to move on from him. So to maximize value and to maximize those two firsts and two seconds and two starters. And uh, and I'm not going to put Drew Locke in that same camp, but to maximize those two two twos, I think you had to pull the trigger today in this offseason and not wait till 2023. I was trying to scan my, my brain. Like the Quarterbacks like this just don't become available. I mean, Peyton was older than this, and he had a bad neck and was coming where he didn't play for an entire year. Can you remember a, a nine-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion? I mean, top five or six quarterback in the league that was still in his early 30s that was ever available on the market? Well, I think times are changing. And if Bill and Tom can divorce a six-time yeah. Super Bowl champ together, uh, I think that can happen. Kirk Cousins is not in that class, but he obviously leveraged his contract to, to get to go where he wanted to. Philip Rivers was 40, not 34. I mean, Russ will be 34 this year. And as far as 
again, just his style of play and in his movement, he is at his absolute best on the move. I think he's second to best in play action, and I think he's third best in, in the pocket, and the numbers over the years and the analytics have shown that. So as he gets to and turns 34 in November, Souk, uh, you know, I, 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 he's not 25, he's not 28, he's not 31. In You know, those years are starting to pile up, but no. No, I don't think there's something like this in the past, but I do think after the Tom and Bill breakup that this is not going to be unheard of in the future. So ask you, you know, two-parter here. One, does this put Denver in a window like the Rams did as as a Super Bowl favorite? And how bad can it get up in Seattle next year? Yeah, I don't think it puts the the Broncos there. I, I think it puts them into a playoff team. You know, a lot of talking to Denver market is about how good this roster is, and you're just one quarterback away, and and it is deeper, it is better than I think the Seahawks roster that Russell leaves, and that's why he said yes. Remember that facet of the conversation too is he had a no trade clause, so he could have said, Nah, I'm not going to go to Denver. I'm not going to compete against Herbert and Carr and Mahomes, and don't really like that roster. I think he said yes because the roster's good. I think he said yes because the new head coach is an offensive-minded guy in a system he's familiar with and played in last year and and a ton of positives. So I think they've become a playoff contender, but are they the Bills? Are they the Chiefs? Are they the Bengals? Are they top end of that Titans of the AFC? I don't know, man. That is going to be brutal, and that division becomes the best in football, bar none. How bad does it get in Seattle? We've got to see the rest of the dominoes that fall in the quarterback pecking order here. We've got to see what happens to Sean Watson on Friday as the grand jury will be called in Texas to figure out whether or not he is going to be charged criminally, uh, let alone in the civil side of it. So that would be one domino that we've got to see fall. Um, the rest of that roster, you're going to hear from Pete and John, they're going to be uber positive on so many of the other pieces. They're going to be able, I think, at nine to find a a legitimate stud, tackle, edge rusher, corner, difference maker, starter, like they did with Russell Okung and Earl Thomas in their first draft when they had first rounders in 2010. They got 40 and 41. Those should be two starters. Uh, a lot of depth in this draft. So, you know, I think you're going to hear a positive spin from them. But until I know what they have at quarterback and what that plan is, yeah, they're going to be looking up at the Niners and Rams and even the Cardinals in that division. This is Brock Heward, Fox Sports. You mentioned Jody Allen, and of course down here we're sensitive to that name because the Blazers are just uh, pulling off the tank of all tanks. And so they've got their roster. Now Russell Wilson out in Seattle. What is your assessment of um, how long she may own the team up there? Well, she's going to own it for a few more years. As I understand it, there's a poison pill written into the stadium deal that there is no way that this ownership or the trustees, I think, can sell this team before 2025. Um, I'm pretty confident in saying that and knowing some of the background when that deal was cut between the stadium authority and the city and everything else. um, There was a certain number of years, I want to say maybe 25, so... Yeah, I think it's 2025, so at least a couple more years. I don't think she's looking to sell it. I think she loves the Seahawks. I think she loved uh, what they meant to this city, what her brother built up in a world champion, what it did for the community and the fans that are just relentless and travel and travel and travel and still support this team. And from my understanding, those, those postseason meetings with Pete and John, uh, they, were combative. they were competitive. I don't want to say combative, 
but they got to, you know, we're not going to just settle. Status quo isn't good enough, and you saw that with a defensive staff turnover. You see it with this bold move to move on from Russ and hit the reset button, and they will spend, and they will be competitive, and they're going to have to be right in free agency in the draft this year to build the foundation much like they did in 2010. So how long do you think uh, – I mean, you're right. It, it, it matters what they do at quarterback and in, in how that – looks moving forward but how patient should fans be here well they're they're not going to be patient (laughs) so uh they're going to be fanatical because that's what a fan is they're not going to be patient Uh, i think you feel my my sense and my read is folks wanted more than just two two number ones uh, they certainly want to know how you're going to go about finding your next QB. They certainly want to hope that you're not going to be the Denver Broncos and the New York Jets where it's going to take a half a decade or more to find your next quarterback. So uh, the, the intensity meter of the fans cranks up. The impatience is going to crank up. And, you know, the trust that they're going to have to have that John and Pete can rebuild and retool this like they did the first time around I know it's been a decade, but that's where the trust and the hope has got to fall, that they've got enough assets, enough salary cap flexibility, and enough pieces to, to build this thing again. Great talking to you. Don't be a stranger, Brock. Well, it is a strange day, isn't it? I mean, it is yeah. strange that Russell Wilson, your franchise quarterback, your nine-time Pro Bowler, arguably with Griffey, one of your most renowned players in the history is, well, like Griffey, like Randy Johnson, like Gary Payton, like Sean Kemp, like every one of them, I guess, save for Edgar, is going to finish their career elsewhere. I thought it was fake. I mean, I don't know about you, but in this day and age of fake news, yep. and I, I looked at yep. that and went, no way that's real. And it searched Yeah, out. I was on a walk. I'm having a colonoscopy tomorrow. Oh, God. So I'm trying to – yeah, I can't eat today. I'm about to drink this horrible stuff that's going to give me the runs. So I was actually out on a walk. Got a random call from a random phone, you know, radio station, not yours. I know I have Suits number plugged in. And they're like, yeah, you, you, can you be able to talk about the big news? And I was like, oh, Aaron Rodgers? No, I'm, I'm kind of – no, Russell Wilson <laughs> traded to the Broncos. What? What? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Same thing as you and the colonoscopy that follows. Break <laughs> oh, my God. Go yeah. And go Hawks. All right. All right. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. It's a rough day. Awesome stuff there from uh, Brock Heward. Uh, apparently that's uh, – Appointment slash procedure went well because we didn't have to um, hear anything about it. And Brock's doing well to this day. Uh, anyways, uh, strange times for Seahawks fans then. I bet they're looking at it now thinking how lucky they are. Um, we're going to get to uh, a totally different gear uh, coming up here. This is going to be uh, Tim Meadows, the ladies' man and Saturday Night Legend coming up next on 1080 The Fan. But first, a sports center update. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back. Look at that. We are magically back on the clock. I don't know how we do it, folks. It's why they pay me the big bucks. Uh, I am here by myself today and therefore have no reason to fall behind, but here we are. Um, Coming up, we're shifting gears a little bit. Just heard from Brock Heward after the Russell Wilson trade on this best of edition of primetime, but uh, going into the Wayback Machine here, I believe this segment we're going to get into right now is eight years old. It is not one Jason Sakanic, but his brother John, who we will talk to later in the night. It's John, it's Isaac, it's Saturday Night Legend Tim Meadows, the ladies' man. Great Tim Meadows. Nice. Great Tim Meadows. In studio. Yeah, your producer said just walk in. Yeah, that's good. Okay, yeah, you're great. good. We're, uh, we're just talking about sports. Who cares about that? I do, a you little. Do? You Depends a big sports on, fan? I'm, yeah, I'm a big sports fan. I like basketball, football. Okay. What yeah. are your teams? Um. I'm from Detroit, so Pistons. Okay. They started out good this year, and they started losing some. But they beat Cleveland the other night, yeah. which is great. Um, beat our team by about 30. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. You remember that? You guys beat us by about 30 in the fourth quarter. Really? It was bad. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah, you guys don't have Aldridge anymore. Yeah, Andre Drummond is the real deal. Right. Yeah, he is. <laughs> you don't even know who he is, do no, you? No, I know who he is. He's a center. <laughs> he's a center on Detroit. Right. But yeah, he just reminds me of, um, I mean, they start seeming like they're sort of building a team around him. Yeah, they should. Yeah, he's amazing. So you were in, uh, so Helium Comedy Club, Tim Meadows is going to be at Helium. Uh, did you have two shows last night? One show last night. One show. And then two, two tonight, two tomorrow. Two tomorrow. So you yeah. can go to Helium Comedy Club, uh, heliumcomedyportland.com and, and get some tickets. Um, you started, though improv i was reading mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. how did that come about and what age are you in high school i was in college probably my second year in college and i read a story in uh the detroit news paper it was the detroit news actually about a story about this guy who was teaching improv classes in mm-hmm. detroit and i was a big fan of snl and national lampoon and that kind of stuff and so this guy had taken lessons from this guy another guy named dell close who i'd heard about and I'm just in reading about improv and, and Bill Murray and John Belushi and stuff. And so this guy was teaching classes uh, in Detroit. So I went and took him and I turned, you know, I was like, I could do it. I was actually, I got it, you know, and it was something that I was like, oh, okay, I finally found something I'm good at, right. you know. And so uh, he started uh, improv group and I started doing it there. He, 
me and about five or six other people. Okay. And, and then I moved to Chicago. Long story short. Yeah. Moved to Chicago. Um, got, did improv in Chicago like everywhere, you know, just as much as I could. And it's funny because we both are reading this book by Elvis Costello, the singer. And I remember reading this other book, The Tipping Point. You ever read that? Um, mm-hmm. Malcolm, Malcolm, yeah. yeah. And he talks about like uh, to get become a professional or something, 10, you got to do 10,000 hours. Yeah. And I realized when I read that book, my 10,000 hours were, was in Chicago doing improv like every night of the week. And I just got really good at it. And then Second City Theater saw me performing around town. Mm-hmm. And then they hired me. And, and the, they hired me, but the guy who I originally... Uh, the guy Dale Close, who I'd heard about in that newspaper story, um, he was the director at Second City like five years later, and he was the one that hired me into the group, into the Second City uh, main stage cast. Okay. How, yeah. how did, so did Saturday Night Live come about after your time in Chicago doing improv? And yeah. How did, how did that come about? How did you get first uh, noticed and, and put on Saturday Night Live? They, I was in the, I had been in a show at Second City with Chris Farley and Bob uh, Odenkirk. Chris Farley. Yes. And so we, our show was killer. We had two shows over a two year period that just got great reviews and, you know, we were young and cocky. <laughs> and, uh, and then SNL came originally just to see Farley. They had been before to see Mike Myers and they hired him. So Lauren Michaels comes? Yeah, Lauren Michaels came. But before that, like just a bunch of other producers came, like Jim Downey and some of the writers. And then so over a year, they saw me perform. And after they hired Farley, they came, they just told me, like, don't take any other jobs because we think we're going to hire you at at Saturday Night Live. And, And then basically that was it. They came back and hired me as a writer. And, um, oh, as a writer. So yeah. you didn't have to audition. I did not. No, because they saw me over a year. They saw a bunch of characters. And they yeah, saw sure. how great I was in front of an audience. <laughs> so you were doing all that, like all the character. A lot of did a lot of the characters that you did on Saturday Night Live come from Second City. Um, no, like a lot of those things that I did, like Ladies Man, was something that I that came later. It came once I was already on SNL. Um, but like I did Sammy Davis Jr. I think when I was at Second City, uh-huh. that was like one of the impressions that I'd done, and then. You know, like the I did this character on SNL called it was a uh, Quiet Storm. Uh, it was a radio guy who was yeah. like you know late night soul dude, <laughs> yeah. and he was like, uh, "Yeah, you're listening to the Quiet Storm. I'm gonna send out a nice message for my uh, future girlfriend Lucretia, and also my next girlfriend Joanna, <laughs> and also you know, and it, it was like That's that. And then whatever would happen, he would always like somebody would he would go to the I'm being robbed right now, but you're listening to The Quiet Storm. <laughs> I've just been hit over the head with a beer bottle, but don't worry. Luther Vandross is next. Um, so that was one character I had sort of done at a at Second City that okay. sort of came over to uh, Saturday Night Live. Wow. What a story. Okay, so improv. Why not, like, not stand up out of the gate? But improv is something that you just thought was more interesting? Yeah, it was more interesting. And I was, you know, I was a fan of SNL and those guys from there. From Second City, you know, I really was. So I, I, I just wanted. It was the only way I really knew how you could learn to perform. Like nobody took taught stand up classes. Right. You just went and did it, and then you just figured out how it was done. But um, with improv, it was like, oh, there's a structure, there's rules. You have other people to work with. So if you start, you know, if you fail or not, aren't that good, you have other people to come in and gotcha and yeah, sort of help you playing out. Playing off somebody else as opposed yeah. to just standing up there and. And talking, and, be but, funny. but it can be really cool because I mean, 
I have to say, like, doing improv is probably some of the most artistic, creative, you know, satisfying satisfying moments I've ever had as a performer because you start out not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. And then five or six people come together and do all of these I'd scenes and, and then you, it, it all comes together, you know, like long, especially long form improv. It like, you don't know where it's going to go when you start. And then when you get there, you're as surprised as the audience is. Yeah. You create some funny stuff that you had no idea was going to happen. Yeah. That's got to be really satisfying. It is. It's really cool. Dale Close used to say uh, improv is like watching fireworks. It's like the spectacular thing that takes off in front of your face, and then it's gone forever. Right. And that's that. Is it is it hard when you create something like that, when you're doing improv and you just kill and you know this is magical? Is it hard to kind of kind of wipe that off and and try to start fresh again every time, or or is it? Is it a tendency to kind of, hey, that worked last time. Maybe I'll try to go in that direction again. No, like it's it's just you just sort of trained to not do that, you know, because you it's hard to recreate spontaneity, you know. Um, and so but there there are act, some improv actors, I'm sure that will like go, oh, OK, well, if things go bad, I'll just go into my Jay Leno impression or, you know, <laughs> um, and then. <clears throat> You know, but then every you you can't really go anywhere with that. I used to do that too. At like in Second City, um, the joke was that if a scene is going bad, I will walk out as Sammy Davis Jr. and save the scene. <laughs> and it would happen a few times where it would be a scene that has nothing to do with show business or Sammy Davis. Just two girls in a you know in a, a parlor talking about you know lemonade. Right. And if the scene is going bad, all of a sudden it'd be like, "Hey man, can I have some lemonade?" <laughs> And they would look back and start laughing because they knew, oh, we're dying out here. Yeah. So they sent Tim out. His, That's his, uh, funny. Yeah. Good stuff with Tim Meadows. We will have part two of that coming up. I just, I love the the peek behind the curtain of uh, really how it's how it comes together with uh, with comedy, the inspiration and uh, and the process because it's 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 unlike any other art form. And uh, clearly, Tim has it uh, dialed in, and we will hear more from him, Isaac, and uh, and Big John next. You're listening to a best of edition of Primetime with Isaac and Souk here on 1080 The Fan. Welcome back to a best of edition of Primetime with Isaac and Souk. The boys in vacation protocol, or the vacation portal, whatever you want to call it. They'll be back in the new year, but for now it's me holding down the fort. Next week we'll have some more live hosts as well, but um, I want to continue on with the second part of this interview that we started last segment. It is Tim Meadows, the Saturday Night Le Legend and the ladies' man himself. Oh, this is the great Tim Meadows, Saturday Night Live. You were on there for many years, right? Nine, ten years? Aren't, mm -hmm. aren't you one of the longest tenured guys on there? Uh, for a certain, for a period, yeah. And Daryl <clears throat> yeah. Hammond passed me, and uh, I think Fred Armisen passed him. Was Was there any part of you that was mad at Daryl Hammond for breaking your record? No, not really. Not really. I didn't feel like it was a record, yeah. you know, that was that was like cher you know, cherished or I was proud of. It just seemed like, oh yeah, I was there for ten years because there was a lot of cast changes yeah. and everything. Um but now I kind of wish that I'd stayed a couple more years just to make it harder for other people to <laughs> <laughs> to to break it. But, Put it out of reach, sort of thing. Yeah, speak. yeah. But well, I think Keenan may be the longest now. Uh, or I know he's the longest African-American. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, he's been on there a while. Yeah. Is it really as big of a grind as everyone says it is? Yes. It's really that hard? It like, is. Describe it. Well, it's like you you have to have an idea on Monday. You have to be able to write it on Tuesday and perform it on Wednesday. If it if it gets picked, then you have to produce it on Thursday. And on Friday, you got, you, you have to you know make it better. And then Saturday, it might get cut. 
<laughs> and so do you work the whole week knowing that you might not have no, anything to show for it? And so, and, and that's the grind. And then you're, you know, you're competing for seven spots on a 90 minute show and you start out competing against like 35 sketches by, you know, 12, 15 really good writers. So it's a, it's a, it's a struggle to like keep up and right. you have to, you have to produce every week. So when you finally land that signature role, that returning character in Leon Phelps, the ladies man mm -hmm. for you, when you finally land that and it hits and mm -hmm. it becomes a big deal, does that make it a little bit easier to deal with the grind knowing that, Hey, no matter what happens this week, I'm going to get ladies man on. Does that make it easier? It makes it easier only like once every five shows. Cause you can't do the same character every week, right. you know? So there is like the feeling of, okay, well, you know, in two weeks, I'll I'll throw I'll write another ladies man and it'll be fine. You know, so I just have to get through this week doing something else. Sure. But one of our me and the two guys who wrote it, the ladies man, our we hated seeing characters on return recurring characters burnt out on the show. And so one of the things that we said privately with the three of us was that we wouldn't do the character more than, you know, four or five times a season. But then you you know it gets popular and like people are coming in and asking to be in the sketch and you know you know the rock you know if he comes to the show and says he wants to do ladies man you're doing the you're ladies you got to do the ladies man yeah so right. what's the origin of the ladies man the voice was a was a voice that I, I used to do when i would make prank phone calls to radio stations <laughs> and to um i would order food or call my friends i had a bit where i would um i had a friend who i could see his apartment from my apartment and I would pretend that I was the cable guy who's there to upgrade the cable, but he, I, but and it was free, but you had to let me in. And so I'd be on the phone and I'd go, "Yeah, listen, I'm outside the door. I don't know. I got you know. You can get HBO and Showtime. It's gonna be all free. So anyways, I'll be at your door in a minute." And then go, "Okay, yeah, I'll be right down." And then I'd see him go down, look around. There's no cable guy there. And then he'd go back and I'd call him again. And I'd go, what were you? Listen, I'm sitting in the truck across the street. You know, I'll be right there. You come on. And so I did that, which was very fun to do. It was really fun. And so I told, and I used to call radio stations too and try to get into political conversations, you know. As and, the ladies man? As a ladies man. Yeah, listen, I was wondering like, what is the deal with George Bush? You know, like his economic policies are re remarkable, you know. And so the goal was to try to keep them into a long conversation without hanging up. Right. Um, and then I told two of the writers on the show about this prank that I pulled on David Schwimmer, <laughs> on David Schwimmer, on um, from Friends yeah. on on radio in Chicago, and uh, they loved it. And they were asking me how did I get away with it, and I said, "Oh, I was doing his voice, you know." And I did it for him. And I said, yeah, if you guys want to do it on the show, I guess we can come up with some idea. And I went back to my office, and like two minutes later, it was, hey, man, he, okay, this guy has a radio show. He kicks out love advice, you know, and it's all really bad advice. And then that was basically it. They would ask me questions, and I would just improvise. And romantic queries. Yes, romantic queries. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Let me ask, how did you come up with, because obviously the, the other famous thing from that is the Corvassier, mm -hmm. right? How did you come up with using that particular drink? Because anything else in that, Thing I think isn't that funny, but having Corvassier, that's hilarious. Yeah. I, I used to work at a liquor store in Detroit when I was in high school, and there would be guys that would come in that were like real. They would come in. They were players. They had girlfriends and one nice car, 
but they worked at a butcher shop or, you know, they worked <laughs> in a slaughterhouse or whatever. And there was this one guy in particular that would always get a bottle of Cavassier on Fridays which is when we cashed his paycheck. Uh-huh. And I thought, like, it was like he drank beer all week. But on Friday, he got a Cavassier. And yeah. I thought, that is so cool. <laughs> like, what is Cavassier? You know, and then me and my friends, we, you know, ended up buying, getting some and started drinking it. And then, um, and that was it. So I always thought that Cavassier was this like really cool drink. And then it was just fun when we were improvising it, uh, to say, hear him say Cavassier, yeah. you know, yeah, Cavassier. <laughs> 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 it's just uh to me it was just funny you know what was the schwimmer joke it's hard it's a it's a long it's a hard bit, one yeah okay. but i i saw you laughing when you when you because remembered I, it. yeah because it just he was he's a nice guy but yeah it was just a weird <laughs> moment i was doing this voice on and i was asking him questions about snl and uh he said on the radio during the interview that he didn't have a good time at snl and then i started going yeah, well, listen, maybe it was you. Maybe you, uh, maybe you didn't work hard enough and like, like all of the good sketches. And then he was like, no, they didn't, they just didn't, I don't think they, uh, like really wrote for me. And I was like, well, listen, I hope you don't ever come back. You know, I was like getting really defensive and stuff, but it took, I had to, in order to get on the phone to him, I had to convince a friend of mine to let me on the line mm-hmm. and, um, and then don't tell him that it's me, you know? And then once he, he, we got into that interview, and and I said, "Hey, uh, Dave, it's Tim Meadows from from SNL," and he was like, "Oh no, Tim, I'm sorry." <laughs> I'm so, he started apologizing on air, and then I was like, "No, no, you know, we had fun with you, you know, and it's you know, it, it's all good." But yeah, he totally was like, "No, I didn't have a good time oh, on wow. SNL," and he it was, was me that was, was asking you. him questions. Yeah, yeah, you should have told him like, "Yeah, you kind of suck, buddy." Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember him on SNL. Well, hey, it was, it was really nice to meet you. Thanks. Yeah, it was nice meeting you guys. Thank too. you for coming in, uh, Tim Meadows. Now you can go to portland.heliumcomedy.com looks like they've updated their website but helium comedy club is over on uh, fifth uh, southeast 9th 1510 southeast 9th two shows tonight yes what times 7 30 and 9 10 7 30 and 10 and then uh, two shows tomorrow right so same check times. out uh check out tim at helium comedy club and i i hope did you did you notice the bottle of cavassier sitting over i did not oh, oh. nice <laughs> well I, if the ladies man is here to answer our romantic queries it would be rude to not have yeah. our cavassier right here i got my cavassier right here <laughs> it's good to meet you thank you thank you for coming I love that interview with Tim Meadows. I love the uh, the genesis of so much of his his stuff, and uh, and of John, of course, um, Mister Prop, Mister Souvenir, um, having a bottle of Cavassier for him, which is perfect. And of all the people to uh, to kind of have a stick up their butt about SNL, like not being that great or whatever, doesn't it feel like David Schwimmer would be that guy, even if you don't know anything about him personally? Uh, it's <laughs> it seems to fit. Sometimes if the if the shoe fits, you just gotta wear it. Uh, Love that interview. Uh, Coming up, we have some pretty fun club segments. Um, We have the Train to Christmas Town, which has been uh, requested uh, by some fans. We also have Why Portland is Overrated, but but Oregon is Not, uh, and something that Mike Lynch once called Drink Fingers. We will get to all of that, plus John coming up in the club. That's next on this best of edition of Primetime on 1080 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> 